What's going on, Rockies fans? Back at it again with a 20th and Blake podcast, part of MileHighSports.com. I'm your host, Luke Zalman, once again. Um, be sure to go on MileHighSports.com, check out all of our written content that we've had up lately. Anilo Piro just published a piece on Tyler Anderson recently. I have a piece looking at some rational and irrational type takes about the Rockies lately. Um, it's pretty interesting little tidbits in there. Um, so just be sure to get online, go check after each game. We'll have a recap up right after the game. So be sure to go check that out as well. Um, and we're just going to dive right in. First of all, we're going to go look at some news around the NL West. So today it was announced AJ Pollock is going to go on the 10 day injured list with the elbow discomfort. Um, that is due to an infection in that elbow. He actually flew back to Los Angeles and they're looking to, do a little procedure to see what kind of damage that infection is doing on his elbow. Big blow for the Dodgers. Obviously, they still have a stacked lineup, but he was their premier offseason addition. Um, so big blow for them. Um, great, great on-base type guy with a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. Um, and speaking of speed, Fernando Tatis Jr. also is hitting the 10-day injured list with a limp hamstring. Um, he came up a little limp running the bases. And so he will be on the injured list now as well. Um, they called up a pitcher to replace him. Um, so the long-awaited debut of Luis Urias is still, I guess he has already debuted, but this year's debut um, is still waiting. The Dodgers still have Cody Bellinger, though, who tied the all-time record for most home runs before the start of May with 14. Um, just unbelievable. Yelich actually tied that record as well. Um, Rockies haven't had to see him yet in the series. He sat out another game today. Um, and Bellinger also set the record for most RBIs in, before the month of May even started. I'm um, just out of this world production from him so far. He's really starting to put it together from the left side of the plate. Um, he's going to be probably a front runner for the MVP, at least for the first half of the season. Um, who knows if he'll keep it going in the second half. Um, but man, he looks absolutely amazing today. Uh, one more little tidbit. The Giants are actually considering multiple alterations to their field. Um, pretty odd. Lately, they've had two outfielders get hurt going for fly balls in the outfield, going over towards those bullpens that are on the field there at Oracle. Um, so they're looking at changing that. And they're also looking at bringing in the outfield walls. Um, that story was released a couple weeks ago. Um, so big alterations could be coming to Oracle Park. Um, I mean, in the near future, it wouldn't happen this year, but possibly even this offseason, they could look at making those alterations. Pretty big news for the Rockies, who, as they showed in their latest serial series at Oracle, really struggled to score runs. Um, so they're going to attempt to make that park a little more hitter-friendly because it's been notoriously pitchers-friendly for many years. Um, it was built to, you know, contain Barry Bonds, I guess. And outside of him, no one else has been able to have any success. Um, so they're going to look at changing that. Um, but moving on to the Rockies, uh, game one of their series against the Brewers, um, not their best game. Um, I really, it, it was, it was really tough for them to string together any type of hits, any type of success on offense. I mean, Blackman, Arenado and Story, Combined to go 0 for 12, um, you it, that just can't happen. I mean, they need production out of the middle of the lineup. 
Um, and without it, they really struggle to score any type of runs with any type of consistency. Um, so they lost 5-1. to one. Zach Davies was on the mound. Very interesting guy. Um, doesn't, doesn't throw very hard. Doesn't have, you know, ridiculous breaking stuff. But he's just one of those guys that really just knows how to command the zone. Um, did it once again. He was actually given a pretty good strike zone as far as the width. Um, he was really getting about a baseball or two to each side on some calls. Um, and Ian Desmond actually got ejected for arguing one of those calls. Um, had to be restrained. Very, very intense moment for Desmond. Um, it was his first ejection, I think, since like 2017. Um, he's not a guy that usually gets frustrated. But the strike zone last night, you could tell, was very irritating for them. Um, and Davies took advantage of it. Good for him. Um, he was able to spot that fastball very well off the plate. And he was hitting his spot multiple times in a row. And, I mean, if the umpire is going to call it, you can't blame a pitcher for trying to take advantage of that. Um, and that kind of played a part in their one for five with runners in scoring position. Um, they left seven on base. I mean, they just couldn't find success against Davies. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's not a huge surprise considering they really didn't have much exposure against Davies before that game. Um, Murphy was the only guy that had seen him double digit times in his career. Um, he had a pretty decent line against him. But other than that, man, they really had they they had no exposure to him, so it was very difficult for them. Um, so the bigger story for the Rockies, though, was Kyle Freeland struggling once again. Um, his two worst starts this year were this latest start against Milwaukee on the road, and then against Atlanta at home. And two things kind of reigned similar in both of those games. One, the slider was flat. Both games, the slider really didn't have the same bite it usually has. Um, and his fastball also didn't have the type of command that you typically see out of Kyle Freeland. Um, his control has not been there. And it hasn't led to a ton of walks, but it has led to quite a bit of damage. And Jesus Aguilar was actually able to take advantage of that. Um, he hit two bombs off of Freeland. One was on a hanging slider, middle-middle. I mean... If you put a tee in front of Aguilar and set it directly where every hitter would want a ball, that's exactly where that slider went. And it looked more like a cutter. It had no drop on it whatsoever. Um, so very easy ball for him to take advantage of. Later in the game, he gets a slightly inside changeup um, that just didn't drop either. I mean, it stayed pretty high, and he took advantage of that one as well. Um, it... it it really was not what you typically see from Kyle Freeland. Um, you usually see a lot more control, especially against right-handed hitters. He's always been a guy that has built his game on commanding the inside of the strike zone. He's said multiple times that is his game plan, game in and game out. Against righties, he will throw the four-seam on the inside corner, and then against lefties, he will throw that slider dipping away, and he'll also throw a two-seam inside and outside against them. Um, doesn't use the four seam nearly as much against lefties. Um, more of the two seam with a little bit of movement to it. Um, and he just hasn't been able to do it. I mean, with that slider going horizontal and him having to rely on his fastball has really not led to good results for him because his fastball isn't anything out of this world. He's not one of those guys that's throwing 96, 97 like a John Gray can, like a Herman Marquez can. He can't do that. His game is built on control. 
And it was part of the reason he was so good last year is because that control was so good. And if you look at his batting average on balls in play, he actually may be getting lucky this year despite his struggles. He's bound to allow more hits on balls in play as the season goes on. But his home run to fly ball ratio is over 15% this year. Um, just ridiculously high. Um, last year's it was 8.5 per comparison. So about double last year's number. Um, that's not going to last either. So things are going to start changing for him. But the type of contact he's allowing. And then against the Braves in his other, you know, really blemished start this year. Um, his outside movement on his fastballs was very high in the zone. And it allowed guys like Freddie Freeman, guys like Ronald Acuna to take advantage. I mean, Freeman got an outside fastball high that just didn't get out of the zone the way it was supposed to. He takes it for a single. Ronald Acuna gets a slider low. But once again, the slider was strictly horizontal. It had no vertical drop to it. And I know it is not deemed a slurve by any means. But a good slider from Freeland will always have a little bit of drop. And that one just didn't. And Acuna was able to just golf it out. So if he's not able to get that slider back, having a little bit of vertical movement, it's going to be a rough stretch for him because he just doesn't have the velocity to overcome that. Um, and his changeup is a decent pitch, um, but it's not a pitch that he can rely on when that slider is not working. Um, the one bit of good news... Um, talking to the media, Bud Black talked as well, said there's no blister problems after his last start. Obviously, he just had to miss a 10-day stint on the injured list with that blister on his middle finger right by the nail. Um, no blister problems came out of his latest start. So if there was a bright side, it could be that. Um, the struggles prior to, the, prior to his injury list stint could be chalked up as blister. His latest start could be chalked up as being raw after not having pitched. It's really hard to tell until you get another piece, another pitch, you know, another outing for him outside of that injury to kind of be able to see what he what he really has this year. I mean, his first start against the Marlins was a very good start for him. Um, so it's just about getting back to that. The Marlins aren't a good offense. It, I mean, it's pretty obvious. But he was much more palatable in that start. And lately, he just hasn't had it. Um, Trevor Story's hitting streak also ended in that game. Um, it was up to a career-high 16 games. Um, it was also the active leader in the MLB. Um, he really, really has turned around his entire hitting repertoire lately. Um, in his first two seasons, very strikeout-heavy. I mean, towards the league lead. And it was mostly because of breaking balls. Um and he finally adjusted. He's finally starting to put the barrel on breaking balls. And it has risen since last year. He hit a new career high. And then this year it's rising even more. Um, and that's allowed him to get a career high in exit velocity. While also keeping his strikeout percentage about the exact same. Um, his hard hit balls have risen as well to a career high. Um, he's really beginning to focus on pitches that he can do damage to rather than pitches that can do damage to him. His problem was just that he was falling for those change-ups that dropped below the zone. He was falling for the curveballs that dropped below the zone. And by no means is he turning into a Joey Votto, but he is 
enabling himself to have more success while focusing on pitches that are in the zone. He's he's improved his out of zone strike percentage, um, and he's really really starting to turn it around. One disclaimer for that streak: his batting average on balls in play during that hitting streak was almost 500. I believe it was in the mid 400s on just a ridiculous batting average on balls in play. So it did play a role. Um, He did strike out 19 times during the streak, um, and he only walked four times. So it's becoming more and more clear as Story's career starts to progress what type of guy he is. What he brings to the table is a guy that has power and speed and will utilize both, but he has to rely on getting the bat on the ball. I mean, he is not going to be one of those guys that's going to walk and steal two bases. It's just not the way he operates. He wants to put the ball in play. He wants to swing the bat. And it's it's going to produce very good outings. And it's going to produce bad outings too. Um, it's similar to the resurgence that Javi Baez has had with Chicago. Javi Baez though decided I'm going to swing at nearly every pitch I see. And I'm going to let that determine my results. Trevor Story has gone the opposite way a little bit. And he is he's seen similar results. I mean, last year he had an out of this world year. Um, you know, it's he's he's going to get back to that level this year once again, in almost all likelihood. Um, and he has just seen crazy success, including that including that little hitting streak he had. So good for him. I mean, He's, he's playing to his strengths while also giving the Rockies a very good presence at shortstop, um, kind of making them forget about Troy Tulowitzki a little bit. Um, moving on to the second game of the series, Herman Marquez threw five innings. It is hard to find a single thing that he did wrong through the first five innings. In his first four, he threw 31 of 41 pitches in the strike zone. That is outrageous for him to have that kind of aggression while also having the kind of success he had. In the sixth inning is when it started to fall apart, though. He allows a leadoff double to Ben Gamble. Very difficult play for Rymel Tapia on left. Um, kind of had him twisting around, and then he finally goes and tries to catch it over his back shoulder, going to his left. He was unable to. They held him to a double. Um, and then... You have a guy like Braun come up with runners on the corners, no outs. It was, it was one of the you know moments where Marquez was able to really shine for them. Only allowed one run, induce a double play from Braun, um, and he was able to get out of it, only allowing one. But the seventh was where he, where the final straw kind of snapped for him. He allowed two runners on base, and then Aguilar, who had two home runs yesterday. Slaps a high fastball opposite field. Um, just a beautiful swing from Aguilar. And it's something that both Brewers fans and national fans saw all last season. He was crushing the ball last season. Um, he has three home runs in the last two days. It's really helped him overcome, you know, Yelich being gone. And it comes after Aguilar was benched for an entire week by Craig Council. He was sat for an entire week. They gave they gave the everyday lineup spot to Eric Thames coming off of injury, and it kind of lit a fire in him a little bit. So he was able to get his third home run after entering the series with an 0 for 15 stretch. Um, 
And that was the third time through the lineup. Both the Ben Gamble double and the Jesus Aguilar home run were both on the third time through the lineup, which is actually going against the normal tendencies of Marquez. On the year before the game, he had allowed a 222 average the third time through the lineup, one of the best marks in the league, actually better than his 306 mark the second time through. Um, so it's he was unbelievably good the third time through the lineup and even the fourth time through the lineup, um, which kind of shows you the type of offerings that he has with that curveball and fastball. In the end, though, today just wasn't his day. He was outdueled by Yuhulish Chassin, obviously a former Rocky, um, throws six innings, only allowed two hits. I mean, they held the top five of the Rockies to only two hits. Um, Chassin only allowed one in 11 at-bats to that top five of the Rockies order. Um, towards the end of the game, the Rockies were able to get it going a little bit. Um, they got a hit off of Guerra, a RBI double from Arenado to drive in Murphy. Um, the Brewers bring in Hayter, which any other any other circumstance you would think well, the game's over. But Ian Desmond was able to come up and smash a fastball opposite field. Um, he's Ian Desmond's stats are not being backed by the type of improvements that he's making this year. Even after today's game, he's at 196 on the year, but his ground ball percentage has completely changed from the last two years after he led the league both years, and he's starting to put hard line drives in the air. And it's going to start resulting in better results. Um, recently read a piece by Nick Grokey of The Athletic. Um, just talking about how in the previous two offseasons, because, of because of the young sons that Desmond had, he wasn't able to utilize the pitching machine that he was previously utilizing when he was with the Nationals, when he was with the Rangers. And now that they're getting a little older, he was able to reinstall that in his house Great piece by Nick Grokey. The Athletic, he's a great writer, so be sure to check him out as well. Um, a great story. So, I mean, his story summed up in a short sentence. That pitching machine that throws high velocity, he was finally able to reinstall it. And now he's getting back to his regular routine as opposed to just taking batting practice. And it's starting to pay off for him. I know, Desmond's contract's ridiculous. He hasn't had a ton of success with the Rockies. He's made some pretty big blunders in the outfield. Um, but overall, him having success is best for the franchise. Them benching him and not allowing him to have success is not going to lead to any, you know, any type of overall team success for the Rockies. They're paying him far too much of their you know, overall payroll to just bench him. They need production out of him. And he was able to come through late in the game, in a game that Charlie Blackman was on the bench um, for Tapia. Um, overall, you know, the Rockies just, they left, overall they leave four on base. They were one for four with runners in scoring position. They just weren't able to get any type of success. Um, and oddly, they only struck out nine times, usually throughout the season, when the Rockies have had their really, really cold stretches, it's been due to a very high number of strikeouts. Wasn't the problem today. Story didn't strike out. Murphy didn't strike out. Arenado didn't strike out. Um, they just all combined to go, you know, two for nine. Um, 
that's that's really not going to cut it. But Murphy had Murphy once again looked great for them. Um, he only went one for two, but he had two walks again. He's really bringing a professional presence to their lineup that they really lacked at times last year. Um, and I think it's going to pay off eventually. Um, I don't think it's a hot take to say that the Rockies offense is going to be better as the year goes on. They just need to get into the swing of things. I mean, when you have David Dahl, who's missed most of the last two seasons to injury, Ryan McMahon, who's just now getting his first, you know, consistent playing time in the bigs, Ian Desmond, who's trying to rebound, Chris Iannetta's not with the club right now. He's on a rehab assignment. They're just, things are going to start to add up for them. Hopefully their pitching can follow along. If I had to give, you know, kind of my overall take about the Rockies right now, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I do think that if they're able to, if he's able to continue this success, Herman Marquez could be up for the NL Cy Young at the end of the year. He has a 2.93 ERA after his latest start. Um, doesn't look quite as good as that 2.4, but with so many starts at Coors Field this year, if he's able to maintain that, he will be purely in the thick of the NL Cy Young race. Um, good for him. It's something I would, you know, buy a lot of stock in. And I, I mean, I posed the question on Twitter during the game today, and I just, I can't think of another starter for the next five years that I would rather have than Herman Marquez if I was the owner of a franchise, at least in the National League. Um, there's guys like Trevor Bauer, Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, coincidentally all on the Indians. Um, those guys are going to be, you know, elite starters. Um, but, you know, in the National League, Scherzer's getting old. Verlander is also, or excuse me, Clayton Kershaw is also starting to get a little older. Injuries are starting to creep up on him. Um, Strasburg has consistent injuries. I just, I can't think of a starter you'd rather have. I mean, the Walker Buellers of the world are going to be successful. Um, but overall, Marquez, with that fastball curveball that's only going to get better, and him developing that changeup, um, he's just going to be lights out for them in, in the near future. They signed him to that contract extension. Um, Jeff Reidich and company have to be feeling good. Um, his final box score, you know, six hits, four earned across seven innings, isn't going to tell a dominant story. But through the first five innings, he was absolutely ridiculous. Um, the curveball was just, you know, filthy. The fastball was well-located, um, just fell apart a little bit there late. Um, but overall, nothing to really worry about with Herman Marquez. Um, nothing huge to worry about for the Rockies. Um, it's well-documented that they've been just awful against the Brewers lately. I mean, in that sweep last year, they only scored three run, or two runs excuse me, in the, in the entire series. Um, they're, you know, two and ten in their last 12 games, dating back to the beginning of last season. Um, the Brewers just have their number a little bit, and it happens. Same with the Marlins, coincidentally. Um, they have their number as well, so nothing too huge to write home about. We will have another podcast coming up in the next couple of days um, that will likely come out after that Thursday, you know, series closing game against the Brewers. Before the Rockies return home, um, we'll have a podcast breaking down the final two games. Maybe look at where the Rockies are all together. Um, we have a feature by Anilo Piro coming out tomorrow about that start from Marquez 
and maybe some spots where the Rockies may have let him down and kind of what's bugging them lately. Um, so be sure to check that out. Be sure to check out my latest recap on the Rockies loss. Um, and just be sure to keep checking in on milehighsports.com and tune in next time, baseball fans.